So I hope you all uh, put together a list of some of the cool and great things about you and some of the things that you've done. And, and again, this isn't just for kids. Uh, our Family Connect time that we did a few moments ago is for all of us. And so maybe some of us still need a few more minutes to, to collaborate and some, put some things together. And so keep doing that. And as you do, allow me to share some things that are on my list, some things that are kind of cool about me, if you will. So maybe one thing that you don't know, maybe some of you do, but um, when I was younger, I learned how to ride a unicycle. And I believe I still know how to ride it today, but uh, it's been a little while. So maybe I need to dig that out and try it again, but that's kind of cool to ride, to be able to ride the unicycle. Another thing, uh, when I was uh, 15 years old, um, I moved with my parents to Columbia, South America. Yep. My parents became missionaries, or as we call them today, international workers, and we lived near the city of Medellin, Colombia. And this city is known as the city of eternal spring. That's right. The average temperature year-round is 22, 23 degrees Celsius. Uh, Beautiful city. And from uh, uh, for how I remember, all the rain, or most of the rain, fell at nighttime as the... um, Weather would heat up in the, in the Amazon jungle. It would, uh, all the humidity would rise, and as it hit the Andes Mountains, where Medellin was, it would fall, and that would be at nighttime. So, beautiful city. Lived there, uh, finished my high school in Columbia, South America, and then moved back to Canada and went to Bible college. And so that was a pretty cool part of my life. After Bible college, here's another one. After Bible college, I worked with an organization called Youth for Christ up in Edmonton. And I lived there for 10 years. Uh, And I worked with community kids, street kids, helping them to know Jesus. Uh, We ran clubs out of high schools. Uh, We developed a community drop-in, a hangout for kids to come to after school or in the evenings. Uh, Some of the fun stuff that we also did was we ran trips, took kids skiing. My favorite was taking kids to California. Uh, over spring break and uh, the one year I remember leading a trip of over 90 kids plus volunteers and staff we loaded three big coaches and we went to southern California for spring break it was called California breakaway and all the while we're helping point them towards Jesus and I can't imagine doing that today but that was a pretty fun and a pretty cool part of my life um Another pretty cool part of my life is, of course, my family. Uh, I met my wife when I was 32 years old, and that story is a very unique story, and if you want to hear that sometime, you'll have to ask us. But my wife and I, uh, we got married, and we moved here to Lethbridge uh, 22 years ago, and we began ministry here at uh, UDAC. Um, But when we moved here 22 years ago, uh, we began our family as well. And we have three lovely children, uh, Stephanie, who's our young adult, uh, actually Chloe, who is also now a young adult, as she just graduated from high school, and Colson, who's heading into grade 10. And uh, my wife and I have a beautiful family, and we could talk, I could talk lots about them, and they were a pretty cool part of my life. But I'm sure you all have some pretty cool things a part of your life as well. Um, And I'm assuming you're thinking about some of those things even right now. 
And uh, Justine, again, com- was talking in our Family Connect time that, um, that compared to knowing Jesus, all of this stuff that we just listed, all the things that we've done, and, and as we read in Philippians, we read that together, Philippians chapter 3, all of that stuff is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And that's where we're at today. This is our fifth method, message in our series called Unstuck. And today, I want to just unpack a little bit about the joy in living the holy life and all of what that means. There is joy in living the holy life. The Apostle Paul is such an interesting character. He tells us all about how amazing he really is. Paul was a pure Jew from one of the two tribes of Israel, true to the house of David. He was super well-educated, like he was amazing. He was a Pharisee, which means he was a big religious leader, and he was, a, he was really, a really strict one at that. And he followed every rule, every rule and law to the T. And he backed it all up by persecuting those in opposition to the religion, to the things he thought were true. He had it all by the world standards at that time. That's Paul. What is it that you are pursuing? What is it that you are leaning into? What are the values of your life? Where do you spend the most amount of your time these days? And where do you spend um, your money? Who are you, really? Who is it that you are? We can spend a lot of effort and energy on trying to make ourselves look good and be right. To be the right person. Well, After Paul encountered Christ, he lets us know that these things can't make us righteous. That is, these things can't make us right before God. It is interesting that we we all seem to know, uh, kind of, we seem to want to make things right in our life. We feel like we need to measure up to make ourselves feel worthy. While we may not have the Pharisees like Paul mentions in verse 2, Uh, putting a burden on him. Our culture lays a rather massive burden on our lives these days. We all typically feel the need to build our resumes so we can get in. Get in to the best college and university maybe. Get into the the right job and career. Uh, Get get the right friends or the, the right spouse and have the right family to have the right house and the right car and have the right stuff. Have the right social network. We need to be, know who's in the in crowd. Who do we hang out with online and who do, they, who do people see us with? It seems we are always auditioning or interviewing, if you will, for something, for someone, trying to make ourselves look good and be good. How does your resume look these days? How does it look compared to others? And I'm not just talking about our literal resume, but, I, but our resume of life is what I'm talking about. What have we done or acquired? Who are we hanging out with? Who are we? What have we done and where are we going? Our resume of life. Are we comparing that with others these days? Where do you tend to look for your righteousness? Is it your job, your home, your family, your children, or your spouse? How about how you look or what you do or or don't do? 
Where do you tend to look for your righteousness? Maybe it's the church you go to or the church you don't go to or the things you check online or the things you stream online. Often our righteousness is a bigger stumbling block than our sin because we, for the most part, understand sin is bad. We understand we need to repent and ask for forgiveness when we do wrong. We know, like, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, murder, those are all really bad things. We know that's wrong. That seems to be obvious for most of us anyway. However, often it is our righteous acts that make us proud and give us a sense of worth. It puffs us up, puts us up on this pedestal. And if we're not careful, we can end up like the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. And that story, story can be found in Luke chapter 15. And if you remember that story, which I'm sure most of us do, is the, the prodigal son is the one who comes and asks his dad for his portion of the inheritance. He goes to his dad and says, Dad, can I have, I, I, I know you're not dead yet, but I'd like what you owe me. Because I want to go and enjoy life to the fullest, right? And, and, and so he takes this money, and in verse 13 of chapter 15 of Luke, he says, it says, the son wasted all his money in wild living. You see, the son recognizes then, after all is gone and left, he realizes his sinful ways, and he returns to the father in repentance. He is really sorry. In fact, he says to his dad, you know what, you don't even have to treat me like your son. Just... Let me come like one of your servants. They're way better off than I was. And so he comes with a very sorry heart, repented heart. The elder brother is very resentful. When his father welcomes this bad brother back into the family and the father hosts a big banquet celebration for his son who has returned. But the older brother wasn't so happy about this situation. And the older brother in Luke 15, verse 28 says, the, uh, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in, wouldn't go into the banquet celebration. So his father came out and begged him. But the son, the older son replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you, um, sorry, all these years I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son, he calls his brother, yet this son of yours comes back after squandering um, your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Do you hear the self-righteousness? in the, that older brother's tone. Yeah, it's so sad as you hear what's going on. He really missed it. Self-righteousness can leave us proud and bitter when, when someone else gets something we don't think they deserve or maybe we feel unnecessarily guilty ourselves and depressed when we don't perform like we think we should. It's dangerous. We put this stuff over here, and we put it on a pedestal up here. We have to guard ourselves, and Paul is warning us to be careful of slipping into the elder brother syndrome, where we think we are made right by what we do or we don't do. 
We might have a whole bunch of boxes that we tick off as completed or done. And this makes us look good and we fall into that hole of self-righteousness just like Paul found himself in and he calls it all out as garbage. He calls it all out as garbage. Let's read this. Verse 7 of chapter 3 in Philippians. I once thought these things were valuable. What things is he talking about? He's talking about all the great things in the previous verses. He was circumcised as a young, a young boy. Um, he was a pure citizen of Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, <clears throat> a real Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He listed all these amazing things. And we can list a whole bunch of amazing things about us too, right? And I listed a few things. You have some on your list. We're all thinking of the amazing things about ourselves, right? I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, doing all those things, ticking all the boxes, right? Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable. He too thought all these amazing things over here, the the lists that we are creating of how all these great things, he too thought these things were valuable. But he goes on to say, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And then he says, yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I think we just need to stop there and think about that little phrase. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's just not a high value. It's not just a, a mediocre value or it's just not something that's maybe way up there. It is the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And again, folks, if you are watching this, have gathered, whether you're online or in the church house today or wherever you are, and you don't know the infinite value of knowing Jesus, I would invite you to stop and connect in with us, whether it's make a comment, connect with us, send us an email, give us a call, or if you're at the church to check in with one of us after the service because you know what that is so important to understand and know the infinite value of knowing Jesus all this other stuff that we've acquired and accumulated and is on our list is nothing it's garbage compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus but let me also say Paul does not 
say all these things are all bad necessarily. As there are many good things in our life and many good things that we are pursuing and that we are doing. But we cannot rest on these things to make us right before God. We can't. And when compared to what Jesus did on the cross, it is compared to as garbage. So some of these great things that we have on our list, they, they may be very good. But when compared to Jesus, they are nothing. Paul does not say that we should stop doing or being any of these things that are on your list. But he says that we cannot allow these things to become our identity or our path to righteousness. For that can only be found in our faith in Christ and for what he has done on the cross for each of us. So just a few moments ago, we we paused for communion. And Pastor Aaron shared with us from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that talked about, for it is by grace that you've been saved. And that's just a great reminder in our faith in Christ and what Christ has done for us. Jesus must be on our resume. When we receive righteousness as a gift, it is is difficult to overstate its significance. By grace, through faith, we are given a free gift, an abundant life. Not a a perfect life, not not an easy life, but an abundant life in Jesus. And the only way to be made righteous is to have Jesus in effect on our resume. His righteous act is imputed, that is, ascribed to us, given to us in faith and an accepting of Jesus. When I told Katrina what I was preaching on this week, she gave me this poem. And it's taken from My Heart Cries Out by Dr. Paul Tripp. And it is a prayer slash um, poem. It's a poem slash prayer to God. And let me read this to you. And I want you maybe just close your eyes, if you will, but just listen to this prayer. I wish I could commend my righteousness to you, but I can't. I wish I could brag of my strength to you, but I can't. I wish I could boast about my wisdom to you, but I can't. I wish I could point you to my track record, but I can't. I wish I could tell you that I have no regrets, but I can't. You know me better than I know myself. I never escape your eye. You search the deepest regions of my heart. You know my thoughts before they are conscious to me. You know my words before I hear myself speak them. You examine my desires before they move me to action. So without pretense or inadequate excuse, stripped of pride and self-defense, I bow before you. Devoid of demand or argument, and I make one plea. It is for mercy. I have come to accept what you know of me, and I cry for one thing. Grace. I cry for one thing, grace. So 
there is great joy when we move from being stuck in our self-righteous living and doing all of this stuff on this side, when we get stuck in all of that stuff, to moving to being unstuck and free in receiving the righteousness from Jesus and what he did for us called grace. You see, there is great freedom and joy in letting go of all the demands that our culture, our family, our friends, the social media stuff puts on us and even the stuff we put, excuse me, even the stuff we put on ourselves. There is great joy in letting go of all of that stuff that we've put on that list, that we've managed to lift up. Let go of it all and rest in the joy-filled life that Jesus gives us freely in a thing called grace. We need to stop ticking the boxes of the things we must do or not do. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. That we, you know, maybe we've manufactured all these things of a way to receive a right standard before God, we need to rest in knowing that it is in Christ and in accepting and believing in him and what he's done for us. He has made us right before God. He has made us right before God. And then, and then all of these things that we have done or are doing are as a result, are as a result of our faith in him. We do what we do because we love him and we worship him. So they may not all be bad. May not be bad. And so, in doing, there is great joy in living the Christian life and serving as we do. It is really a reordering, if you will, of, the, of our belief and where we put Jesus and the stuff that we have in our life. We need to take all of that stuff off the pedestal and put Jesus and what Jesus has done on it. You see, there is great joy in living the holy life, not because of what I have done, what you have done, or what any of us have done, but because of what Jesus has done. It's because of a thing called grace. Amen.